Um, I always try to come from a place of uh, generally wanting to help people. And I think if you keep that your goal, I think people can see that, you know, um, they can see that on your channel and how you teach. Um, they'll, they'll see it instantly, you know, if they buy your course and don't like it, you know, they'll, they'll know. You, you, you need to really come from an authentic place of wanting to help people, I believe. Welcome to The Bold Brush Show, where we believe that fortune favors the bold. Brush. My name is Laura Arango Bayer, and I'm your host. For those of you who are new to the podcast, we are a podcast that covers art marketing techniques and all sorts of business tips specifically to help artists learn to better sell their work. We interview artists at all stages of their careers, as well as others who are in careers tied to the art world in order to hear their advice and insights. Today, we sat down with Matthew White, an artist who not only specializes in watercolor, but also specializes in teaching others how to paint in watercolor from the comfort of their home through his online course and YouTube channel. On this episode, we talk about Matthew's path in how he became a full-time artist, advice for anyone looking to monetize their knowledge, how he manages his time between painting, recording for YouTube, and family time. And finally, he gives us some amazing tips for anyone who's looking to start a YouTube channel. Finally, Matthew tells us about his online course and his upcoming plein air watercolor landscape retreat in France. Welcome, Matt, to The Bold Brush Show. How are you today? Yes, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to have you, of course, because I am also really into YouTube and, of course, your work is gorgeous. And Thank you. I, when I was seeing it, I was like, this is stunning. This is like the most gentle, careful handling of oil paint. I'm not oil paint, uh, watercolor, my bad, oh. <laughs> watercolor that I've seen in a long time because it's not a medium mm. that, um, that you see very often. In my opinion, I'm sure there's a bigger water watercolor community than I know. But since it is such a challenging medium, it's wonderful to see someone who not only handles it well, but also teaches people how mm. to handle it, which I, I, I think you're welcome. I think if I get into watercolor, uh, I will definitely be looking at your videos and yeah. panicking a little bit, but definitely <laughs> <laughs> checking out your videos. Um, you. So you're welcome. Uh, do you mind telling us a bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Yeah. So my name is Matt White. And I'm a watercolor artist and instructor, and I live in Kansas City with my wife and two kids. Wow. Very succinct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, um, that's really all you really need to say, I guess. Yeah. I love to paint. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. And actually, I did want to know. Uh, first, how you decided to become an artist, because you do mm -hmm. have a background in actually in editing, in video editing. Yes. Uh, yeah. But why the sudden change into painting? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I always have been interested in art since I was a little kid. I've always loved to draw. And um, it was just something I I had always been drawn to. And I really enjoyed, um, but I didn't necessarily, I never envisioned myself um, being able to make a living as an artist. And so it was something I kind of, you know, I would come, uh, I, I would draw a little bit and I would kind of get away from it. Um, but it wasn't until I was 30 years old and had a kid um, and a family that I was really like, 
I really want to learn how to paint. Um, because I don't know if you can relate to this, but I know uh, maybe others can, that when life is its busiest, you really have to become selective on how you spend your time. And so I got to this point where it was like, you know, life is really full and I really, you know, I'm not getting any younger and I really want to learn how to paint. I've always um, been interested in it, and but it was nothing that I had really set time to and really want, um, chosen to study until this point in my life. And so I remember my wife was out of town um, with my son and I was like, I'm going to start painting watercolor this weekend. And I went out and I bought a book. Just I, I went to a bookstore and bought like one of the first watercolor books I found and got a, got some cheap supplies. And I think that's why I, I chose watercolor because it just seemed like very accessible. Mm -hmm. And so I got what I needed and I did a few paintings. I was like, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, but it is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, from there, I just it became this this outlet for me that I could really focus on, you know, after my son was asleep at night, after I was done at work, when things were quiet, it became this amazing escape, this amazing creative outlet. And I just fell in love with painting. And I just decided that this is something I want to be really good at. And I made time for it. I really got, you know, dedicated to showing up uh, every evening and just painting and painting and painting. And um, they, the paintings were not very good for a long time, but slowly they started getting better and I started seeing more progress. And I got to take a few workshops with some artists that I just really admired. And um, it just kind of snowballed. And so I found myself, you know, um, in, a, in a career doing video editing, um, and I, you know, I had already had one, I had a son and a daughter on the way. And um, I was just, I just felt this pull and this urge that I just needed to paint more. And um, I started exploring ways of, you know, trying to make some income with my art and painting. And um, that led me to Patreon and down to YouTube and a whole bunch of other things. Um, but, but that's kind of the the short version of the story is that um, I fell in love with painting and I really, I really just dedicated myself to it. And eventually um, I found a way to leave my full-time job and support my family um, through painting and teaching. And so yeah. that's kind of how I got to where I am today. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's, first of all, amazing. And again, kudos. It's like you really must love it to make time for it. You know, it's like yeah, one of those things that you can tell you love something because you can't either you can't stop thinking about it or yeah. you make time for it, truly. Yeah. And the fact that it snowballed, you know, so naturally too is what it seems like. It's like, wow, like it really yeah. can change your life the moment you decide to pursue the things that you really yeah. enjoy. Yeah. yeah. And for me, I've always needed a creative outlet. For years, it was playing music and um, playing the drums. And that's what I really put a lot of my time into. Um, and then, you know, when, like I said, when life got busier and fuller and I was kind of moving out of that chapter of my life, um, I really needed something, you know, video editing, um, creating um, videos and, and editing and doing all that kind of stuff. That's another uh, creative outlet of mine. But 
having something in front of you that um, is tangible. You know, after working on a computer all day long, being in, in front of a piece of paper and just thinking about water and paint and brushes and the texture of the paper, there was something so um, real and calming and creative and life-giving about that. And um, the more I could do that, the happier I was. And and to see progress in my work after the hard work I was putting into it was really exciting too. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of, that was how everything kind of came about for me. Wow. That's beautiful. Oh my gosh. I feel like if anyone's listening and, and they're thinking like, should I, should I, should I just, just do it. I mean, dive in. Yeah. yeah. I actually recently interviewed someone else who she started when she was 50. Mm. Um, and now she's teaching workshops and she's oh, like great. living from her work. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, that's what I tell that. people. I, mm -hmm. I tell people this all the time. It is never too late. It, it really isn't. Yeah. And then also just the fact that she actually just started because she loved it. And it was also an mm. escape for her. It was like something to yeah. give her, I guess, um, I don't want to say meaning, but it gave her something to, to want to do, you know, something to yeah. get up for in the morning. Yep. Um, so yeah, I love that. I love people who just decide, heck, I'm just going to do it. It's going to be, I mean, I'm not getting any younger and I'm just going to do it. And I love that. Um, yeah. I did want to know though, when you were in this time period of, of, mm -hmm. you know, watercolor, and I'm guessing you got to the point where you're like, okay, I kind of get this, you know, this is working. It's kind of coming out the way I want because I feel like it, it never truly looks the way we want, uh, as artists. But when was the point where you said, okay, I'm going to share this journey on YouTube and I want to teach others. Mm -hmm. When was that? Okay. Yeah. So I started a YouTube channel about five years ago and originally I didn't have any um, goals with it. it. It was just, you know, I, I liked um, shooting videos and I liked painting and I thought I really should combine these two things and, and just kind of get it out there and see what happens. And so I put a few videos up um, early on. It wasn't anything consistent. And um, and I just, I had a channel. I wasn't really doing much with it um, for probably the first couple years. And then um, when I got further down the road in painting, and I believe I had already started a Patreon account at that point. And for people that aren't, most people are familiar with Patreon, but for those that aren't, it's a way to um, provide something for an audience and they can subscribe and pay you a little bit a month um, to get what it is that you offer. And what I was offering was um, a tutorial of, uh, you know, a demonstration from beginning to end. And I was doing one a month. And that was my first way to try to monetize um, my teaching. And <clears throat> so, that picked up a little bit of steam, um, but I kind of hit a ceiling with that, and I did, I had nowhere to go with it. I had no way to promote it and get it any bigger. It wasn't enough income for me to take a leap by any means, nowhere close. Um, so then I started just digging around and researching passive income. And searching passive income, I learned about this guy named Graham Cochran, and he talks about monetizing your knowledge. And I was like, okay, so this is this is really interesting. And so I actually took a course from him on how to make an online course. And so that was 
this will lead back to YouTube. It's just there's a lot of moving parts to well, it. You're good. I love so, it. So that um, showed me how to establish a site, how to build my course out, and then most importantly, how to get leads or people that you're interested in that might want to purchase your course to find out about you and how to pitch the course to them. So the the engine for getting leads is YouTube. And so once I understood how YouTube fit into that puzzle, that's when I was like, okay, I'm not ready to sell anything, but I know that my YouTube channel is important. So I'm going to start making consistent videos. I'm going to make a video a week, no matter what, and put that up on my channel and see what happens. And you're you're not going to grow YouTube overnight, but it does require that bit of consistency. If you commit to um, posting in a regular way and continuing to show up, you're going to have some videos that you aren't expecting that are going to take off and do really well. And you also have videos that you think are going to do really well that won't do anything. <laughs> but over time, you are building that audience. And the key to building that uh, to, to all of that is as your audience is growing, you're offering them something free at the end of your videos. And this is called a lead magnet. And this is what I learned through my course with Graham Cochran and, and this way of, of teaching and selling um, your, your digital products, your, your courses and things like that. And so you offer something free for someone's email address. And you want to make it something very desirable, something that solves a problem within your niche. So if it's watercolor, if it's oil, if it's pastel, you know, getting plugged in and understanding what people are wanting to know in that niche and then offering a really good solution as a lead magnet. And when I say lead magnet, it's if, if you're watching in my YouTube videos at the end of it, I say, I have this, um, you know, this five-step system to solve these problems. If you click here, you can download it. So people will click there and enter their email address and they can get this free thing that I made for them, which is great. It's very educational. It's super helpful. Um, that thing in itself has a lot of great reviews from people. It's valuable content um, because that's the key is I, I want to offer value um, in every video I create and everything that I give away. I want it to be very valuable. So I know it's a long answer, but that is what fueled um, my desire to really put a lot into my YouTube channel is because it wasn't just because I wanted to have a big channel because I wanted to have a, a big presence here. It's because it really is a tool to gain leads in my business selling my course. So that's a long-winded answer, but hopefully you kind of understand um, the, the big picture there. No, I think your answer was... I think the exact length it should be because oh, there, there, yeah, there is a lot that goes into, you know, building a YouTube channel. And then also yeah. I, I would have thought that it would have been backwards, right? Where you start a YouTube channel and then you make a Patreon. But for you, it was the other way around, which I think yeah. is fascinating. Um, yeah. yeah, because you already knew, okay, there's a demand for this. So I'm going to teach. Um, mm -hmm. But it's even better, you know, when you have a way to funnel people there with that YouTube. Yeah. Um, and I really love the point you make about, you know, having that lead magnet, collecting emails, uh, even with mm. um, selling artwork on its yes. own, you know, without yes. a YouTube, having an email list is yeah. one of the best ways to sell, uh, especially if you have like a newsletter that reminds people, hey, I exist and 
here's my stuff again. And then they end up purchasing. Um, but it's, it's very genius to, you know, first of all, be authentic as heck, right? Because you don't mm. want to like lure people in. And then no. it's happened to me so many times where like, they're like, oh yeah, give us your email. And then spam, spam, spam. And I'm like, please, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I never oh. want to be that. I never want to be that way. Um, I always try to come from a place of uh, generally wanting to help people. And I think if yeah. you keep that your goal, I think people can see that. You know, mm-hmm. um, they can see that on your channel and how you teach. Um, they'll they'll see it instantly. You know, if they buy your course and don't like it, you know, they'll they'll know. You 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 need to really come from authentic an authentic place of wanting to help people. I believe. I completely agree. Um, even though, of course, you are now at a hundred thousand subs, which is amazing. Yeah. Congratulations! Thank you. Um, you're welcome. It goes to show that you know sometimes that path to getting, you know, monetized and and making, you know, maybe some passive income from YouTube really doesn't come from just focusing on that. It really comes from focusing on on providing that value for people. Yeah. Um, and then everything just flows in on its own. It's like a almost like a like the end result is that you monetize, but it's not necessarily like you were saying the goal. It's like, oh, that's right. happened on the side. Like, ooh. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I would just say that um if that is a goal that you have it takes time. You know, it really does. And if that is your main goal, you're probably going to get really frustrated um, because it doesn't happen quickly. You know, <laughs> some people, it might happen faster for some people, but for me, it was showing up consistently every week, not missing a week for, you know, two or three years um, before you can see larger numbers like that. I wanted to add one more thing about the email list because. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell other artists all the time is that right now at a time when um, there is so much going on with social media and platforms are um, changing, algorithms are changing, um, TikTok or, uh, you know, Twitter changes to X overnight and and everything is different over there now. Instagram uh, favors reels now and video even more so than photos. So. Uh, we're constantly trying to regain our footing when it comes to social media. Um, that's why more than ever, an email list is so important. Um, you own that audience, and it, you know the it, you could put a, a lot of content out on Instagram or TikTok or or even YouTube, but if you're not capturing that audience and trying to start an, an engaged email list, um, you're really missing out because. Things can change over time, but that email list is is more valuable to me than anything else. Um, so I encourage anyone out there who even wants to sell their art or some type of, if they want to have some product in the future, they don't even know what it is yet. When you're at an art show, put out your little book, say, sign up for my email list. When you put things on Instagram, when you put things on YouTube, try to promote people and give them a reason to sign up for your newsletter. If you just say, I have a newsletter, you know, nine out of 10 people aren't going to care. So give them, give them a great reason to sign up because you collecting those names over the years is so valuable because um, your open rate and your emails is always going to be higher than the algorithm that feeds people your stuff on, on, um, you know, uh, Instagram or anything else. So yeah. Yeah. And it's get so those email lists going. Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. It's so easy to get buried under the algorithm too. And then what happens the moment that, you know, maybe Instagram or or any of these platforms just poofs, right? Because like so many That's artists- exactly right. Yeah. yeah they, they rely on it. Um, it's good to have that email list because it's like, oh, I can fall back yeah. on a, a tangible thing, you know? That's right. That's right. If you really want to have contact, um, consistent, reliable contact with people that um, like what you are doing, that's the best way to do it. Definitely. Yes. Oh, and actually, you know, there are so many artists that I've interviewed who all say the same thing about newsletters. Mm. It's like newsletters, actually newsletters have, uh, artist newsletters have a higher open rate than I think I had heard like important government ones. Like, ah. We we have like a higher open rate because that I mean, makes sense. To like, yeah, because people, I mean, when they subscribe to an artist newsletter, they actually want to hear from the artist. Yeah, right? they're actually curious. They care. Yeah, care enough to like write in their email um, to technically someone they don't really know, but right. they love their work and they resonate. Uh -huh. So of yeah. course they're going to open it. They're going to want to hear everything. Um, and then you also made a really good point about, um, gosh, what was it? mentioned something earlier and I was like, ah, <laughs> it might come back to me later. Sure. Um, but I, I also did want to know because your work is very delicate. It's very beautiful. Mm. Um, but it also is expressive at the same time. And it makes me so curious that you picked a really, really difficult medium. Mm. Um, do you find that watercolor lends itself to that expression of your work that you're seeking, right? The way that you want it to be yeah. represented. Yeah, I think it does. And I didn't know this when I picked the medium. Mm. Um, I really love the immediacy of watercolor. I love how spontaneous it is. And I love that I'm only going to be about 85 to 90% completely in control of what happens. Because sometimes the most beautiful parts of my paintings are things I couldn't have planned you know, it's it's the way that colors are mixing on the paper, um, you know, things like that, the, the soft edges. I love the softness of the medium and getting a beautiful contrast between soft and hard edges. It's just, it's very exciting. And it, there might be a learning curve and it might, it might feel daunting to those that are unfamiliar with watercolor timing and some of the basic rules. But once you get a, a handle on those, you can unlock the ability to really explore and enjoy the medium a bit more. So I understand, like, I still, you know, I mess up a ton. I have stacks of paintings I'm not happy with. And that's part of the learning and the growing process always. Um, but yeah, there's something very um, fluid and organic and... Um, there's just something about it I, I really do enjoy. And like I mentioned, the, the immediacy. Um, I do enjoy plein air painting. I love to get outside and paint as well. And and you can you can just capture beautiful feeling of movement of clouds. Um, it's great for landscape painting. Um, yeah, so I, I really do enjoy it. And, and there's things I love about it now that I had no clue I would love when I first started painting it. Interesting. Oh my gosh. Um, now that you mentioned that, you know, what do you feel like your work has, uh, now that you're more aware, right? Because when you teach, mm -hmm. uh, you really have to become double as good, 
right? Because yeah. you really yeah. need to be able to explain what the heck is even going on. That's and right. sometimes we don't even know, right? So as you were saying, yeah. you know, there's stuff about it that now you love that you, uh -huh. you maybe weren't even aware of before. Um, has Do you find that teaching has created that sort of more understanding? And then also has YouTube and, and teaching, having to explain things, has that affected how you perceive your work and helped you improve? Mm. Well, I think that, you know, I, I'm only nine years into painting. So I am growing. I, like I look at some of my paintings from a year ago and I do things a little differently now than I did even then. Um, my foundation is the same. Like values are always going to be values, you know. Um, but some of my techniques might evolve, how I some subtleties in my mixing. I definitely am, am changing, you know, from year to year. So that does correspond with me also teaching. One thing I think that's great about teaching is I have to have a good reason for doing things. And I have to be able to explain it. And, um, you know, I mentioned values. Like, I really preach doing value studies. And, and in preaching that, I do a lot more value studies myself because I'm teaching other people how to do them too. And I think it's great. And it goes hand in hand. And I'm becoming a better teacher because I'm becoming a better painter, but I'm becoming a better painter because I'm becoming a better teacher. So they they go together, which I think is really, really a, a great part of it. Ah, and that makes perfect sense. And I completely agree with the value studies. I think they are very, I think a lot of people underestimate the yeah. use of a value study, yes. um, especially for composition and creating an image that draws the viewer in. Um, yeah. I think also because, and I have a theory that when the camera was invented, um, so much of the paintings that were made after are cropped in a very mm -hmm. odd way that sometimes it can be a little bit jarring. And because of that, I think a lot of artists now, since we're so exposed to like the cropped format of images, that when you look at a painting pre-camera, you can see that it's a complete image. Sure, they might huh. crop out certain parts, but it's complete in itself. Um, there's like nothing that they don't want you to see unless it's like, oh, yeah, well, that's like an extra thing over there. And it just gives depth. Right. But I feel like, yeah, I, I think in that way or for that reason, we should really focus on those value studies and on those yeah. compositions to really like, okay, this is the complete image. I don't want to mm -hmm. confuse the viewer and lead them out of my image. I want to keep them in here, you know? Yeah. Um, do you find that through teaching, it has also made you even more aware of that, you know, of like compositional aspects of mm -hmm. organizing like your horizon line and yeah. where you want things to land. Do you find that that's also been something that you've explored? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that composition um, goes right hand in hand with the other skills that I've, um, you know, that I continue to improve on um, year after year. But yeah, when you're explaining horizon line, composition, all these things, you start to um, see it differently and re-examine why you make the choices that you make. Like I was mentioning, you you explain it. And, you know, I critique students' work as as well. And so that's part of it as well. I I need to, um, if I want to give constructive advice, I have to think through it myself. And I have to, um, you know, challenge myself on, on my thinking at times. So, yeah, all that has been um, 
part of this whole uh, season of growth in in learning to teach and learning to paint and how they do kind of go hand in hand and and help each other grow um, together, which has been really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that, that uh, having the, the YouTube channel and then also, you know, your teaching um, main, your main thing being teaching, uh, it also helps keep you consistent with your own work, which is really yes. useful as well. I feel like, you know, again, it's like kind of like a circle where it feeds itself. It's pretty cool. At Bold Brush, we inspire artists to inspire the world because creating art creates magic. And the world is currently in desperate need of magic. Bold Brush provides artists with free art marketing, creativity, and business ideas and information. This show is an example. We also offer written resources, articles, and a free monthly art contest open to all visual artists. We believe that fortune favors the bold brush. And if you believe that too, sign up completely free at boldbrushshow.com. That's B-O-L-D-B-R-U-S-H show.com. The Bold Brush Show is sponsored by Basso. Now more than ever, it's crucial to have a website when you're an artist, especially if you want to be a professional in your career. Thankfully, with our special link, faso.com forward slash podcast, you can make that come true and also get over 50% off your first year on your artist website. Yes, that's basically the price of 12 lattes in one year, which I think is a really great deal considering that you get sleek and beautiful website templates that are also mobile friendly, e-commerce, print on demand in certain countries, as well as access to our marketing center that has our brand new art marketing calendar. And the art marketing calendar is something that you won't get with our competitor. The art marketing calendar gives you day-by-day, step-by-step guides on what you should be doing today, right now, in order to get your artwork out there and seen by the right eyes so that you can make more sales this year. So if you want to change your life and actually meet your sales goal this year, then start now by going to our special link, faso.com forward slash podcast. That's F-A-S-O dot com forward slash podcast. Um, And I just remembered what I was going to say earlier, which is uh, doing watercolor plein air sounds like a triathlon to me. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds really hard. Uh, So I was going to commend you for, uh, I mean, doing one, a hard medium and two, a very challenging you know, the act with the media. Yes. So yeah, it is a challenge. Um, I'm taking my first international uh, group to France this year in May. And so I'll be teaching plein air painting over there. And that's going to be really exciting. A lot of my teaching is online. I'm really excited to be with my people in person in a beautiful place. Um, so if anyone is watching this and this, and they are interested in a plein air retreat to France, I think there's three, three spots still open. Um, so they can check out my site and take a look at that. But, um, plein air painting is its own complete challenge. Studio watercolor painting is different than plein air painting. Like it's hard indoors. It's a new challenge outdoors, but what it forces you to do is to get down an idea quickly and, um, also, I treat my plein air paintings as sketches. I'm gathering information. I'm taking reference photos, but I'm also on location, looking at the light, looking at the colors, um, mixing. You know, really quickly. You just gotta you gotta mix and go for it. You can't second guess yourself. You have to paint in a very immediate way. Things are drying faster. It definitely has its own challenges, but 
it can be very rewarding and very informative to the work that you do indoors as well. Yeah. You know, I feel like the, a lot of the plein air painters that I meet, it seems like they're addicted to it because it's such a it's challenge, so fun. you know? <laughs> it's so fun and it's so relaxing. Well, I say relaxing. It's relaxing being in a in, in a nice environment. Like mm-hmm. also, I think it shakes the dust off of any staleness that you might have in the studio. Mm-hmm. Like when the weather is nice and I'm just feeling like, oh, I don't know what, what to paint. I'm just, I need to get outside, you know, because I work here from home. Um, I have kids and my whole life is kind of in this one house. <laughs> so when the weather is nice and I can get outside, um, man, it is, it's a great feeling and it really um, adds some life to what I paint indoors too. So I'll get a lot of reference photos. I'll spend some time on site. Um, I might even redo a plein air painting indoors if it's something I'm kind of excited about and I want to see what the differences are between my outdoor version and my indoor version. So it's a, it's a really fun part of of painting. Yeah. Very oh challenging. Gosh. Very fun. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then I did want to bring up something because uh, before I interrupted my own thought with my own thought, um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about how uh, specifically how different these fears are, right? Because we have like an Instagram, I feel like the the mm-hmm. people who go to Instagram are very different and they have a very different reason for being there than people who are on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. How have you found that the sphere or the community of YouTube um, has been different from the ones on other mm-hmm. platforms? That's a good question. Um, I'm going to think about that one for a sec. Yeah. I'm not really, I don't know if I have a, clear-cut answer i would say that i i feel like people on youtube especially since i'm posting consistently they count on my video every week mm-hmm. you know people will comment and say every monday morning i'm sitting down i'm having my coffee and i'm watching your video i have got some of the sweetest most amazing messages from people that have been like oh my gosh like I, I've created this YouTube channel to not only teach, but like be the engine for my business. But there are people that are getting so much life out of these videos that I'm making. And I had this woman email me and say that her mother had just passed away. And her and in the last like months or maybe even a year of her mother's life, they would sit together and watch one of my videos. And I was like, that is the sweetest thing. I was just like, oh my gosh, I've never received a message like this before. So like they, your audience builds a relationship with you in a way that they don't through any other medium. Um, I've never received any feedback on Instagram like that. You know, Instagram is, you know, people are just scrolling and they're like, oh yeah, that's a nice picture. I'll like it and move on. Um, YouTube is a place where they feel like they can connect and kind of get to know you a little bit. Um, you know, my videos aren't very personal at all. Like occasionally I might mention something about my family or like what the weather's doing or what's going on with me, but it's not really about me. It's more about teaching. But even though people seem to connect with me and um, and I think that's really special. So I guess that would be the difference between the two. Yeah. Oh my God, that is so sweet. Oh, I, I know. I was like, I don't know if you understand how much that meant to me you know that is so special absolutely yeah and and you know what that's the other difference i'd say um i mean also seeing my own reason for why i'm on youtube right it is you know 
I feel like a lot more people are seeking that genuine human connection, especially mm-hmm. because like you were saying, you know, when, with Instagram, you're just scrolling, scroll, 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 scroll. Yeah. It's like doom scrolling. Um, but with YouTube, right. when a person picks a video, they want to sit through the whole thing. I mean, when I tell you, I watched a whole four hour video the other day, nonstop, just on the pagan origins of Christmas, <laughs> because it sounded fascinating. Yeah. I'm sure there are other crazy people out there right? Who have 10 minutes to spare on something that they really care about. And I think that's the biggest difference as well. You know, like the people Isn't that amazing, want to be there. <laughs> Everyone can find their niche. Yep. Everyone. And I think that's so cool. Like if you have a specific medium that you work in, very specific subjects, there are people out there that love that and they will find you. So if yes. you get on YouTube, you start making videos, you will find your people and that's really exciting. One more thing I'll mention as far as like a business uh, minded reason for working with YouTube is that the three top search engines in the world are Google, YouTube, and then Pinterest, which I found really fascinating. And so If you are going to put time into building your email list or educating people within your niche or establishing yourself as an instructor in the thing that you love to do, focus on those those outlets that are evergreen, searchable platforms. So I make a video, I spend, I probably spend maybe three to four hours a week on my video between filming uh, planning, filming, editing, posting, maybe maybe around five, something like that. But one good way to think about it is that when you put this video into the world, it's almost like having an employee out in the world acting on your behalf because that video is searchable and um, and it's evergreen. And for I'm using the word evergreen as it doesn't go away. So if you search, if someone searches watercolor um, landscape scene. In Google, Google will pull from YouTube. And also, if you have a blog, blogs are great. Websites are great to keep adding into um, other searchable content. All of that is um, worth your time because it doesn't go away. So if you do the same thing on Instagram, even if you have a large following, I think I'm, I'm around 20K on Instagram, something like that. A small percentage of those people might see your post. Um and then it goes away, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it's there if people are searching your past posts, but it's not going to show up in people's feeds after 24 hours or something like that. So finding ways to build good content in these evergreen platforms are, and using those searchable pieces of content to build your email list, that right there will build you something over time that is lasting. And so I'm just always preaching you know, put time into those platforms that that will um, be there and and provide searchable content in your niche. I think that's the best way to go. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm also uh, really into Pinterest as well. I actually recently bought a Pinterest marketing course because I, oh. I am an avid Pinterest user. And okay. I also see its yeah. potential as a way of, you know, getting those leads um, yeah. because I myself experience it when I go on there and I, that's you right. know, I actually did speak once to a Pinterest uh, business like person where they like try mm-hmm. to guide you on on how to put your first campaign. I didn't get to go through with it because money at the time was very tight. But she did tell me a very fascinating thing. 
which is that what makes Pinterest different from other places, it's kind of like how YouTube is different, but Pinterest Mm -hmm. is different in the fact that when people go on Pinterest, since it's not a social media platform, people go on there to buy and to get ideas. Mm. So it makes it more like, you know, for sure that person's going to buy something like nine, nine times out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. So I completely agree. I didn't know that statistic that it was one of the top, top three. So it's good to know that. Yeah. Yeah. You hear that folks, Google, YouTube, Pinterest, you got this. Um, And you did mention hours, uh, the the time that you spend on this, Mm -hmm. which I did want to ask you Yeah. because, you know, having so many things going on, right? You're painting, Mm -hmm. you're teaching, you're editing. It's a lot of stuff on your plate. How do you time manage? Oh my God. And then family, of course. Jeez. Yeah. How do you time manage uh, all of those tasks? Great question. Um, I've gotten faster at creating the videos over time. So I think I mentioned, I come from a video production background. I've spent a lot of time editing. And so my editing has gotten a little quicker. Um, so that saves time. And, you know, when you first start something new, it's going to take you, it's going to be slow at the beginning. And then when you get used to it, you'll get um, more comfortable being on camera. You'll have to edit less. You'll have a better idea of the type of video that you want to make. You're not reinventing the wheel every time you do it. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's a big part of it. Um, I'm not the most super, like, my wife is great at this. She will plan her week out to a T. She has great lists that she'll check things off. That's not my strength. I've had to become a little bit better in that area. Um, I have a um, content calendar that shows where I'm at, what I'm doing for this month. I can plan out a month or two ahead of time on what the YouTube content is. Um, So that's the YouTube aspect of it. A large part of the rest of my business is as automated as it possibly can be. I've made my course one time, and this is a digital project product that I can sell endless amounts of that I've put the work in one time. Um, now, there always is responding to um, customers' questions. Um, you know, you you have that aspect of it, but a lot of the the sales, and um, and the teaching is very automated. Now, I, I do offer, I have two main things. So I sell my digital, my online courses, but I also have a membership, a subscription site. And um, that is where I don't do Patreon anymore. I have my own site. People subscribe. They get a monthly tutorial. I do critique a, a group video critique every other month. So I've come up with th- this, this recurring um, you know, uh, this other content that I can offer for as a subscription model as well. So those are the two main parts of my business. Um, but it's built in a way that is largely passive. When people sign up for my lead magnet that I mentioned earlier, then they get fed um, an automatic series of emails that teach. I offer a lot of high value teaching. And then eventually I do come to a pitch for my course. And they can either take me up on that offer or just stay on my email list and they get an email every week that talks about my YouTube video that offers good teaching and 
I, I have thousands of people that just take advantage of my free learning. And I think that's wonderful. Not everyone's going to buy. You have to go into this knowing that about 1% of your leads are going to spend money. And if you can get that number through your head, it doesn't feel so defeating. It's just like, that's just kind of the nature of the business. So this, if I'm getting this many leads, I can, I know approximately what that's going to mean for me as far as sales goes. So to answer your question, I've gotten quicker on YouTube and a lot of these tasks are automated. Um, but I will say that, you know, I'm, I'm starting my third year of doing this full time in February. And one thing that I've noticed, you know, the first year was like, it's kind of like if you're realizing that you, uh, you're not sure if you're going to fly and you're flapping your wings really hard (laughs) and you realize that you are flying and it's amazing, but you feel like you still have to flap your wings really hard to stay up in the air. Well, year two, I've been like, okay, things are working. I'm paying the bills. Everything's going to be fine. Um, Now I can enjoy this experience a little bit more and try to like find ways to automate as much as I can and make things, you know, work as well time-wise. But one thing I found out kind of going into my second year is I have to prioritize my painting over anything else. If I'm not prioritizing my painting, things are getting out of whack. I'm not feeling like I'm as good as a teacher as I should be. Um, And I just, I I have to enjoy what I'm doing because that's the whole reason why I'm doing this. The whole reason why I want to learn how to build an online course was so I could spend more time painting. And so I would just give that little bit of advice to anyone who's wanting to to take the leap or has taken the leap um, or just wants to dip their toe in the water and start a Patreon or whatever. You have to prioritize the part of it that you love. So if I'm painting often and I'm feeling, um, you know, engaged in that area and excited and you're not always going to feel that way, there's going to be ups and downs in your creativity. Excuse me. But if you can prioritize it, um, for me anyway, it makes everything else feel so much better and more in balance if I prioritize, prioritize my painting. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, it, that's also the other challenge, you know, of, of uh, being your own boss and employee at yeah. the same time uh, is uh, so much of, you know, what you get out is what you put in, quite literally. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, it, it really does compound itself when you have things like YouTube and other passive income that's, you know, coming in on the side of that just working once really compounds itself, which is so, so useful when you're an artist and you know, you need to focus on painting primarily. Um, So yeah, I I totally agree. And then also, as you work, you're also getting insights uh, from observing yourself work, which then also feeds back into that YouTube or into whatever lesson that you might want to give. So it's like, you know, it's just everything's feeding itself. It's it's a very delicate food cycle there. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, but the painting and the studying and the learning and the growing, for me, that I have to keep that central to what I'm doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then I also wanted to ask you, um, do you have any other advice for, say, an artist who's really looking to dive into YouTube specifically to monetize mm. it? Um, do you have any final advice or caveats or anything you want to say? Yeah, I would say um, your first video is going to be your worst one. And that's okay. 
Think of it as any other skill. You know, think about the first time you picked up a paintbrush or a pencil. And it it wasn't pretty, but you knew that like, you know, there's potential here. And um, just be kind to yourself. Um, you know, uh, you practice, you dive in, um, you'll get better the more that you do it. And um, yeah, I, it's not for everyone, but don't be so fast to write it off and, and say it's not for you if you don't have experience in that way. Um, we're in a time when editing is becoming easier and easier and easier. You know, uh, 10 years ago or longer when I was first getting into video production, um, that was a very different world than what we are in now. You can shoot on your phone. You don't have to go buy expensive equipment. Like it's it's an exciting time to be a creator in this way because the the um, the playing field is so level now as far yeah. as like technology goes. And and I would just say you know you can figure it out and you might be really pleasantly surprised at how many people want to see how how you create the thing that you create. You know, so. Um, be nice to yourself, just like you need to be when you are learning painting or struggling and um, give it a shot. Yeah, I love that. You're motivating me. Good. <laughs> yeah. Good. And then also, uh, actually, I, I'm, I'm actually very curious because there are so many YouTube videos out there of like, oh, this is the equipment you should get and like all of this stuff. Uh -huh. Do you, I mean, I'm guessing you probably already had some equipment since maybe, you know, from before. But um, aside from, you know, the phone, let's say someone wants to level up a little bit. Is it worth mm -hmm. getting a DSLR or no? Nah? <laughs> um, I love DSLRs and I have for years. And if you have the budget, get one. You know, I'm my webcam. I don't know if you can tell right now it's on a DSLR. And it, Ooh, it yeah. um, you know, it if you're shooting in a smaller space, and you want a little bit of depth of field, which means you want to blur the background out a little bit. Aside from, I know on, on the iPhone, you can blur the background and other things like that. But, you know, I, I would say um, DSLRs have really come down in price. And there are probably a ton out there. You can buy a used one. I buy refurbished equipment. Um, yeah, any, any, any of that stuff is great. I don't think it's a must. But I also, you know, if you want to play around with it and see if you like it and um, give it a try. I, I would say go for it because it's it, all of this is more accessible now than it's ever been before. So um, give it a shot. And um, as far as like lighting goes, I, I'm fortunate here. I'm in the the front room of my house is my studio. So I have a big picture window here. I have an overhead um, light that I don't have turned on right now, but it's my studio lighting for painting. Um, just nice, even like daylight on my painting area that's that's good for filming um yeah so i mean you can the great thing is you can go on youtube and say simple video setup for youtubing and there will be more information than you would ever know what to do with <laughs> there but yeah things are more affordable than they've ever been and there are so many options too so yeah. Great yeah. time to get into content creation. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so funny because like a lot of people, they say like, oh, the best time to have started a YouTube was like 2008 or something. And then the other best time is now. <laughs> because, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, 2008 was like when it was really starting up. I remember, yeah. you know, that time. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, no, now it's one of the best times because there's so many more people 
who are putting themselves out on YouTube because they're tired of the whole short format uh, mm. type of situation going on on Instagram and TikTok, where it's just like for people who have curious minds and who want to like actually sit down and enjoy something, uh, YouTube is really the place to go. Also, because like, for example, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think Netflix and like all of these streaming platforms, I feel like half the time it's just full of nothing. You know, there's yeah. nothing to watch. There's nothing interesting to see. Yeah. So I've been opting out and watching like YouTube documentaries or, yeah. you know, people explaining like art history things or interesting things because like, it's like, it's stuff that's very niche. Like you were saying, there's yeah. a niche for everything. So you'll yeah. probably get even more information, hopefully from people who have researched a lot, of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's definitely a much bigger market for that. I think there's also a statistic where it's like, the average person spends five hours on YouTube a week, mm. which is a lot of time uh, if you add it up, you know, to like, yeah. oh, I have X number of subscribers. If each of them is watching five hours of my content a week, that's a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's, I mean, it's a great point. And, and YouTube is more relevant now than it ever has been. And yeah, with the, uh, I really hope that YouTube continues to lean into their um, long form content and not, I know they do, they have shorts and they really want everyone to make shorts mm -hmm. and that's fine. I can see, I see why they're doing that. Um, but, you know, to have a place where you can go and, and really um, take in content with that amount of depth, mm -hmm. I, I really hope that they, they stick with that. Um, yes. Not just for me selfishly in my business, but because that's the kind of stuff I like to watch too. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to go like anywhere. I think it's going to stay, you know, and yeah, also, so. yeah. And also I did hear that they're monetizing the the little shorts as well. Mm, so shorts. that's something else that, you know, some people might want to consider yeah. if they are like considering YouTube. Although it does annoy me that the new monetization requires that you have X number of views on your shorts. Yeah, but, that's the, they always yeah. have a little a little catch. <laughs> you yeah. gotta get past this point. You know <laughs> exactly. But I think they did reduce monetize. I think they did reduce the other ones um mm. to balance it out a bit, which is good because I mean I think it's supposed to be a thousand subs, um, and like a hundred thousand views or something or hours. I can't remember. But mm. yeah, for anyone out there who wants to monetize, definitely uh check that out and like see what you need and yeah. And like you said, it takes time. It's yeah, it does. probably triple, quadruple the time that you would want. So yeah, yeah. Um, so aside from your exciting uh, plein air in France, do you have any yeah. other stuff that's going on? Any cool workshops, projects that you'd like to mention? Um, that's my that's my main one. Uh, like I mentioned, I don't, I'm not doing a lot in person at this point. Like I am this next year, I'm branching out into that a little bit more and I'm excited. Um, but you know, I have two young kids right now and, and my life is here at home and that's how I like it to be. Um, mm -hmm. but I am excited to, um, head to France this year. I'm also, um, going to South Korea and Japan, um, on, a you know, uh, on a trip with with my brother to do some painting and gather some photos. So I'm going to have a lot of references and exciting things. But um, yeah, I don't I don't have a lot other than that. If people are ever interested in in taking a look at what I offer as far as like teaching, if you are a watercolor student and you and you want to 
take a look. You can always visit my YouTube channel. You can always go to learntopaintwatercolor.com. That is my official teaching site. So you can check out uh, my courses and things I offer there. Also, if you're just um, curious about monetizing your own knowledge and seeing kind of how I do that, you can check out my website. I also have um, learntopaintwatercolor.com slash thriving artist. And that I recap a little bit of what I talked about here today. And um, so if you're interested in that, you can always take a look and uh, check that out too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Matt. I yeah, am definitely inspired. Me. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, I hope uh, everyone out there who's uh, afraid of taking that leap, just, just do it. You got this. <laughs> you got this. Yes. It, it might look a little different than um, you imagine, and there's, there'll be some ups and downs, but man, it's it's very life-giving at the same time. Absolutely.